Well, hello there. Pull up a chair. I'm doing a quick intro in front of the show that's going to air about the sun. Uh, here's the deal that's going on is that, you know, remember, if you choose, you will interpret this information into fear and you will continue down the path that, you know, most of us have been, you know, developed this tolerance or acceptance of fear all of our lives. So it is up to you. But there's something that I want to say to you that right now, um, you know, of course there's going to be food on the shelves, but it will just be highly expensive, right? And only for them. So I would suggest this. What I've noticed is people are reacting to the prices and stuff and not really seeing completely down the road, right? Thinking that, well, this little blip in the road is going to stop. What I encourage you to think about is this. While everybody is moaning around about the high cost of eggs and beef and all this kind of stuff, that's just a reality. If you're worried about the high cost of eggs, go get some egg replacer, okay? Very cheap, much cheaper than buying um, dehydrated eggs. Egg replacer, Bob's Mill has those, okay? Learn to hunt out solutions. And I would pretty much dedicate yourself to this. You know, all that meat and stuff isn't even good for us in the first place. So, you know, if you want to grasp onto a longing for meat and feel like you're being, you know, a victim of something, then, well, that is certainly a choice, right? But here's what I would suggest is that what I've noticed is people seem to be running around yelling about the high cost of meat and this and that, and I don't see people really focusing on those beans and rice, though. So, you know, for every order you get to ship for free, you can get $35. You'd be, you'd be amazed at how many beans and rice you can still get right now today. And I would encourage you to think about this. You know, if you have the budget to go add a bunch of tens of meat and everything else for your beans and, ri beans and rice, but I would consider that the focus right now would be canned beans and dry beans. Canned beans, in any kind of situation, you could whip out a can, throw in some jalapeno peppers or something because you want to have spices. Um, that would serve you any time, right? So you have both. Um, I would not personally rely on my refrigeration always working down the road. <laughs> so, and I'm not also relying on my uh, water system to allow me to flush my toilet. So one of my main missions has been to make sure I have enough water because I don't want to flow. I don't want to have my toilet not flushing <laughs> into the mix of what's ahead. So you do you. But anyway, so another thing that I suggest rice get parboiled rice it also comes under the name of minute rice and i just buy the parboiled brand because minute rice is a lot more expensive so you want to stock regular rice and parboiled rice now the preppers will tell you to get mylar bags and all that kind of stuff <laughs> you know well you can do whatever you want to do but check the prices because what i have found is that many times if not most times the smaller bags of beans and rice are less expensive than the big bag. Well, I don't personally want to have to hassle with where I store the rest of that big bag, and I would also want to be in a position to help others. So I have I have checked out those prices, and um, I think it's smarter to shop and figure out if the small bags are cheaper than. By God's sake, stock them, okay? Because you don't want to be shifting bags around and stuff. So. Try to, try to focus and make your life as simple as possible. So my main point in interjecting this before the show about the sun, obviously their plans are pretty clear, right? So, you know, we can e either react in some sort of fear state or we could say, okay, well, now this is looking really serious. I think I better start moving it into a different gear. And, you know, they're still shipping. They're still shipping. So anyway, so 
get what you need. Get what you need because we're all going to need each other. This isn't about what I need. It's going to be about what about the people that have had their heads so buried in pain and struggle and working three or four jobs that they don't see this coming. So let's try to... Um, Let's try to not make judgments, okay? Because here's what I was thinking about. You know, we see all these immigrants being put into hotels. I talked about in the last show about the royals. Okay, we see immigrants now coming in. I'm just guessing that the U.S. immigrants that they're planning on sending 30,000 here. So I'm guessing they're planning on spending sending 30,000 immigrants into the United States per month, okay? From Venezuela, Cuba, blah, blah. Okay, they're not going to move them immediately out to farms to work on or anything, they're going to put them in hotels or something, right? I mean, unlike the ones that are, that are crawling through the border are the most desperate ones. And those people, they just rounded a bunch of them up after they're already here, okay? So I feel a great deal of empathy for these people. And what they're trying to now cook up is this idea that um, they're coming to take our stuff, okay? Now, you can believe that all you want, but I'm here to say with years of research, and I hope you've listened to much of my research, that everybody, pretty much, the majority of people, let's put it this way, who they got to come over to this country in the first place, like those Irish people and stuff, the majority of them were tricked, okay? They didn't end up where they were told they were going to go, and I've already talked about all this stuff. So what I'm going to say is this. Let's remember this when we look at these other people who are struggling, who are obviously pretty well struggling if they're willing to get leave their family at home to come here in the hopes of a future. This entire effort is about a rug pull, okay? Those people... Now, have they selected a type of people that could be dangerous for us, like criminals and stuff? I really don't know. I'm not going to make that kind of call without any kind of information. Let's look at it through an open lens, okay? I bet, I bet the majority of those people were tricked in some manner to come here because they're being tricked to come here to handle the tasks that they're going to want to have happen. So let's not look at them as some invaders. Let's keep who's doing all this. Let's keep all who's doing, actually doing all this and look at each other with humanity first, okay? Humanity first. Um got to be pretty desperate to wander, you know, country to country to come by foot to come to this country. And uh, yeah, so let's not look at them through some lens that the media has created for us that they're all some kind of criminals and stuff here to take our stuff. Hey, they're not going to give us any of this stuff. So I look at it this way. If these people are giving something that's helping them, well, that's just the way it is, okay, because <laughs> they made it pretty clear, okay. So I have to close for now. My main point here, and yes, I did have one. <laughs> was that uh, I've had to change my show several times. I started off as a podcast, and the first year and a half, all those shows were just to help in the future if anybody had any question if they had a psychopath in their life. So I wanted to leave all that information recorded so that, you know, anytime, <clears throat> anytime whether I'm around or not, somebody could, for themselves, explore these, these questions, right? And this all happened after I wrote my book. Well, after I wrote my book, I had a couple of offers to sell my my, pod, my, my, book, my book rights as a podcast. Well, I was pretty well criticized by people close to me who didn't understand why I would turn away the money <laughs> because I was concerned 
after my legal battle with Intel, I was concerned about signing over my rights to some big company out of L.A., and I'm here in Nebraska, right? So obviously, <clears throat> that lawsuit with Intel took five years. I prevailed and did win, but still, <laughs> I wasn't willing to sign up for that, right? So I decided that instead of selling the rights to my book, I would just do a podcast. So anyway, so then and in the beginning, I did have professional help, okay? So anyway, so... Then I decided that I would start exploring some different topics and record them also in video. And then this started, and then I, did, I got my final diagnosis along the way about all these medical things that have been created. And so then I thought, well, I'm going to, at the end of 2019, I'm going to go away and get some rest because my plan is, is that I will no longer be sharing my research come 2020. And, um... While I was away, <laughs> all of this came to light. So um, I just decided that what I would do, because I, I thought it would be easier to express who these people are, like things about controlled opposition, what's the history of the vaccines, you know, with Spanish flu and all that kind of stuff. I made the choice to express myself through videos, okay? And then over a year ago, I made the move I left some videos there, and I made the move back to audio. And that is where I have remained for the last year. Well, I'm just making a new way that I will be sharing my work, okay? For right now, as of right now, I will be... I have a lot of questions about these people, okay? What makes them such dickless wonders, right? I mean, really, come on. I, I think it has to do with childhood bonding, which drives them. And because, I don't know, it's, it's kind of my thing, so I'd like to explore that further. I want to explore further with you is how this happened with why does the U.S. come up with the two snakes and the medical logos. I mean, the medical people are doing eugenesis on us, right? So I found it interesting how the two snakes ended up on that logo. I'd like to share that with you. So what I'll be doing from here on out, I mean, until future notice, and I also want to use that format at psychopathinyourlife.com, it'll be on this section called blog, B-L-O-G. If there's anything significant that I think you might be interested in, well, I will just post it over there, okay? I'm not going to grab a microphone and do a show. So, you know, we're going to be having internet problems in the road. and um, But just remember, I mean, they're connected themselves on the internet, so I'm not really sure how this is all going to play out. But, <laughs> but I think focus on your family. How many, how, how can you stack how can you stack beans and rice? And people think, well, I don't have any money now. Well, you would be amazed. You would be amazed at, you know, pick your pick your battles. For example, when this first got started, um, what I did, because by the time, I think I recorded my first show talking about this being a psyops the first part of February. But by the time they announced the lockdowns in March, I was already I already had a lot of things under control. But how did I get under control? Well, here's the thing. One thing that I did was a psychological trick on myself. Everybody gets hung up on free shipping, right? Costco has, for $75, you get free shipping. Well, I don't always have the $75 to get the free shipping, right? But even if you're a member or not, it doesn't matter because they charge $3 for free shipping. So I thought, well, hey, uh, toilet paper is still about 50% cheaper at Costco. So I just put myself on a mission. Every $20 I got, or 25 or whatever, I would order that pack of toilet paper, okay? So just just use your own thinking to how you get these things done, right? Like, for example, Walmart is now giving this home delivery stuff. It's like $12 a month or something, right? 
but you would be amazed at the stuff they'll ship you for free. And here is my biggest tip of all. Do not, if, if, if you, ha if you want to go Walmart and get beans and rice and it takes $35, okay, great, okay, go for that. Um, but whatever you do, never order an excessive amount. Like if you want to go for the free shipping of $35, but you decide you're going to order $70 worth of goods, right? Only order the $35 minimum. Why do you want a huge honking box showing up on your doorstep, okay? They're going to ship it to you in two boxes if you order it in two orders. <laughs> so don't let them overload you with boxes. And then when you get those boxes in, you can then have a better way to stack those boxes. Try to think through your process. So if you order $35 worth of beans in one box, then you know you got that box to stack and label somewhere, right? So I just would suggest that you just keep plodding along, right? But I would pick up your pace, but don't get hung up on meat. Don't get up. They're not even good for you, right? So anyway, so I got to close out for now because I want you to get to this show about the sun. And uh, I'm still, you know, I'll say this a hundred times before this is over. What amazes me the most about these psychopaths is the fact, the fact, and I will prove that <laughs> with the show today, that they are willing to also live under these conditions that they're putting us under. So be smart out there, kids. Don't let them catch you on the alert without enough food. And don't focus on the expensive things. Focus on what you need to deal with to keep yourself and your family going. So be safe out there. Goodbye, friend. I did enjoy the show. Remember, information is power. We all have the answers we're going to need coming down the road. Start to unclog some of that stuff out of your head. Stop assuming certain things. And be safe out there. And goodbye for now.
song was called cats excuse me c-a i'm having trouble my voice today cats in the cradle aren't we cats in the cradle i'd like you to spend some time today and listen to that song carefully we let them give we gave them our children to educate we gave them our bodies for them to destroy and really we're just cats in the cradle now aren't we kids so pull up a chair let's get going here um kind of pulled this one together because I'm working on other things and there's a lot going on right now with this global warming business, right? But before I get started, I want to go over a few things here. So thank you very much for joining me. I've talked in the past about the Nobel Peace Prize being related to dynamite, okay? And with all of that's going on right now with the weather, <laughs> the um, so-called climate change and all of that, well, it's my best example of evil coming packaged as hell. They have destroyed the planet, they've convinced us it was our fault, and now we need to scurry around and help them figure it out. Well, who are these people? Who are these people? Well, I want to read the whole clip about the Nobel Peace Prize so you can kind of let it sink into your own head. Um, the Nobel Peace Prize is one of the five prizes established by the will of Swedish industrialist, inventor, and armaments, which means military weapons and equipment manufacturer, Alfred Nobel, along with the prizes in chemistry, physics, physiology, or medicine, and literature. That is who these people are, okay? That is who they are. And funny, he got started out by inventing armaments, military weapons, right? Hmm, hmm, hmm. So, I'm going to go over a couple of tragic things here first to get it out of the way. Um, levees are breaking all over the place. California is in trouble. You know, I've said for a few years, this is not gloom and doom. This is research, right? I felt that this country is in the crosshairs and that we are, in fact, going down first. And I am pretty sure that California is going to be our first tripping point, okay? I'm a native Californian. So, anyhow, so what happened in Katrina was this, is, let me see. Failures of the system began even before Hurricane Katrina made landfall with overtopping of the Mississippi River Gulf Outlet levees and flooding of parts of St. Bernard Parish. Shortly after landfall, at 6.30 a.m., levees on the south side of the New Orleans East neighborhood were also overtopped and breaches. Breached. So, yeah, um, levees are going to be a humongous, humongous deal here, okay? Um, so, anyhow, so let me move on here. On August the 29th, 2005, there were 50 failures of the levees and flood walls protecting New Orleans, Louisiana, and its suburbs following passage of Hurricane Katrina and landfall in Mississippi. The levee and flood wall failures caused 
flooding in New Orleans and all of St. Bernard Parish. And you'll also recognize that St. Bernard Parish is a rather poor area, okay? So anyway, so keep your eyes on those levees. Um, the reason I think that California, well, they, 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 they started working on Mississippi and some of the poor places already, right? The places where black people live. California gives them a good place to wipe out a lot of white folks, right? Fifth largest economy. A lot of stuff gets grown in California. So, take it from there. Evil coming packaged as hell. Okay. One other thing I'd like to remind you of very firmly, okay? Antibiotics for fish are the same as human. This is not medical advice, okay? In around May or so, they will require fish antibiotics to be via prescription only. You can now buy them online from pet places. In the past, when I was living in Arizona and my dog kept getting that Giardia from the dirt there, um, and you treat it with antibiotics, and because the vet was robbing me, I figured out that if you're looking for... Mexico sells all U.S. patent drugs, mainly, okay? If, if it's on a patent, it's probably okay. And like I said, not medical advice, okay? But I used to buy the antibiotics I needed for my dog from a pharmacy in Mexico. As long as you don't throw any fentanyl into your shopping cart, you're probably going to be okay. We have a lot of ideas about how, you know, they're going to catch us shipping things and this kind of stuff. Well, anyway, do what you have to do, okay? All you have to do is type in fish, F-I-S-H, and the next word is MOX, M-O-X, okay? And that will give you all of the online ordering options to get those in stock. If you have children, if you know children, if you've ever run into a child, you may want to start stocking because I'm not sure. Anyway, i got to stop there. Okay, so another key thing I've noticed, which I find interesting in the world of controlled opposition, also known as social media, um, they seem to be, um, what they do is they build their people up, get them millions of followers, and then act like, oh, well, we're going to crash this guy down, and he's not doing what we say, so we're going to go after his Wikipedia page and call him a loser and all this stuff. And they're doing that right now with Jordan Peterson. Why do they do that? Well, because that brings Jordan Peterson back into the fold of people thinking he's one of us, just like that big liar Dr. John Campbell. Okay, so they've got him in the crosshairs now, too. Boy, they've got millions of views, okay, so... This is just controlled opposition 101, and if you don't catch on to this thing, you're missing the entire big picture, okay? They're here to trick and deceive us. So anyway, so one other thing. Last show, I was talking about those red shoes, okay? And the social media people say that they're made from the skin of children or blood. Well, I don't really know, but let me show you what I occurred to me that I'd forgotten to mention, okay? There was a this lady's thing with the Balenciaga's campaign, the photos featuring children. And um, what happened was was that it drug up some old conspiracies, okay? I, I don't know that they're conspiracies. They're probably true, right? Um, Joe Biden has a senior advisor named John Podesta, okay? John Podesta... Let me think, what's it, what the hell's the brother's name? John Podesta also has a brother. Let me see where it is here. But anyway, so this stuff is incredibly easy to find, okay? I'll just give you the right names. So, um, this article said, Over the past several days, Balenciaga has been under scrutiny over since-removed ad campaign images on its website that showed toddlers holding the company's teddy bear handbags. 
The stuffed toys appeared to be dressed in bondage gear, including fishnet shirts and studded leather harnesses and collars. While Balenciaga apologized for the campaign and pulled the images and pulled the images, the fashion brand has faced criticism from public figures. Oh, they're just so surprised, aren't they? Okay, so that was Balenciaga and um well, I didn't paste it here, so let me go from memory here. <clears throat> John Podesta, look up John Podesta artwork, okay? Online, you will find John Podesta and his brother, forgetting his name right now, but easy to find, okay? They have all this, what appears to be pornographic paintings with children in red shoes, okay? There's also a lot of other pictures of people in red shoes. Bill Maher is shown in a costume with red shoes. Um, Podesta and his brother, that other creep, um, they have a big photo with all of them standing around in their suits with red shoes, okay? So that's the deal where the red shoes seem to originate from. Are they made from children's blood and all that? You know, I really don't know. Um, I'm not going to start speculating on something that's so horrific like that, but here's one thing to think about. These people, how do I work this? Um, well, they're pretty sexless, right? They, they, the women all have the penis and the men have the vaginas. So I'm not sure with all the hormones they've been taking what their personal sexual thing is about, okay? But one possibility is maybe they use the children for all the evil psychopaths who have joined them. See what I'm saying? So I don't know. I don't know. Anyways, today... Um, I don't know, not for today. Okay, so um, another thing to watch for in the news is um, how, how we got in this grid problem we're in right now is because in the 90s, they started um, California, New York, Texas, and other states began deregulating their electric markets in the 90s, okay? Officials promised that those changes would foster competition and make energy more affordable. Well, how's that worked out? Okay. Average retail electricity costs in the 35 states that have partly or entirely broken apart who ha that have partly or entirely broken apart the generation, transmission, and retail distribution of energy into special businesses has risen faster than rates in the 15 states that have not deregulated, including Florida and Oregon. So yeah, I don't think that this has made any sense at all, but that, that is a point, right? Okay, so my subject for today, and at the end, I'll play the clip about this sun god business, okay? Just stick with me here. This sun god business with this um, Saturn and all of that, okay? Um, what we're going to be talking about today, and I did that show about HARP, H-A-A-R-P, okay? I, I actually did that show when the grid in Texas went down a few years ago. And amazing about Texas, they've been doing nothing but building new houses since that grid went down. Okay, so, can't explain stupid here, okay? So, what we're going to be talking today is about geoengineering, okay? And um, let me give you just an overview, because I don't know much about volcanoes. I never looked into volcanoes in my past, but here's what they do. They rig up these things through through these history books and the Bible, okay? And then it's, it's like they've written this major script for what's going to be going on, okay? So they've recently talked about they're making plans to block out the sun, okay? 
And where did they get that idea from? Well, there was this volcano thing that happened in the 1900s that blocked out the sun. Blocking out the sun means that if they block it out for a year or so, multiply that by how many people won't have food and that will starve and stuff. But anyway, so, yeah, they got this deal with blocking out the sun, just like, I don't know, the chemtrails and everything else they're hitting us with. But what happens is uh, the term you're looking for is called geoengineering or climate engineering refers to deliberate and large-scale interventions with technical means in geochemical or biochemical cycles of the earth. The main goals of such interventions are to slow down global warming, for example, by reducing the concentration of CO2 in the atmosphere and to reduce ocean acidification. A distinction is made before between projects for solar radiation management, radiation doesn't sound too good now, does it? Also known as SRM, which are intended to reduce incident solar rad radiation and carbon dioxide removal, which are intended to remove greenhouse gases, such as carbon dioxide, which is CO2, from the atmosphere and store them as permanently as possible. Measures for CO2 removal are becoming increasingly important in climate policy in the context of net zero greenhouse gas emission targets. Many proposed geoengineering technologies are not available on a planetary scale and their, technology, their, their technical feasibility, environmental, financial, social, and political costs and risks are unknown. Did you hear that part? Many proposed geoengineering technologies are not available on a planetary scale and their technology feasibility, environmental, financial, social, and political costs and risks are unknown. Okay? Climate models therefore also evaluate the possible contributions of geoengineering. Sounds like, you know, everything else I do, right? Okay, and there's a few names. I pulled up a few articles. I'll keep skipping along here. So um, there's one maniac called Stephen Salter, S-A-L-T-E-R. And um, he was quoted about I'm going to be getting there in a minute. They just had a meeting at the UN. I'm sorry, it's a little bit out of order here. But anyway, so let's get back to what this freak had to say. And I'm quoting him now. I was delighted to hear that the U.S. government is funding a five-year research plan, Stephen Salter, a professor emeritus at the University of Edinburgh and marine engineer told the Daily Beast. It is an indication that at last they are taking the problem seriously. For decades, Salter has championed geoengineering as a viable tactic in order to deal with the world's worsening climate issues. He even invented several devices and systems that can tackle these problems, such as the Salter Sink, which was created in the wake of Hurricane Katrina in 2007, and that he could cool, and he said that he could cool ocean temperatures down enough in order to stop powerful storms from forming. Salter was one of the first researchers to propose SRM, 
SRM, I just read that. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm having trouble today. Um, well, I'll figure it's SRM is the acronym for something I just said. So, Okay, the SRM as a means to cool down the earth. However, all of his proposals and ideas have largely fallen on deaf ears due to what he describes as the stupidity of decision makers in government. He has a bit of an axe to grind when it comes to this matter. In 2005, the UK government rejected his proposal to use SRM to prevent sea temperature rise. That's why the White House willingness to invest in solar engineering research is such a big deal. The US government is recognizing that we might have to turn to incredibly drastic experimental measures in order to stop climate disasters by blocking out the sun. If the USA does, many other countries might follow as well. Aren't we just the leaders in terror and crime? I hope that the five-year research plan will encourage people in other countries and that some money will go toward engineering, not just governance, where most goes now, says Salter. But of course, such a measure won't come without risk. Geoengineering critics warn that it could have unintended consequences that ripple out all over the globe. Gee, imagine that. After all, when, this, when you spray aerosols into the atmosphere, they're going to spread out. Its effects would be felt everywhere, no matter where you initially sprayed it. This could lead to a butterfly effect of disastrous events. It's hard to read this stuff without screaming or crying, right? Okay, so. For example, temperature could dip so low that it results in crop loss, which we've experienced before in the year without a summer. Changes to the atmosphere could also intensify weather events like storms. Some research suggests that solar geoengineering could even spread diseases. But Salter believes that the risks are often overstated. Boy, doesn't he have a friendly, cheerful attitude. He asserts that SRM is also an entirely reversible system. <laughs> I'm sorry, there's nothing funny about this, but these people are just downright bizarre. Okay, so he is, this is Salter. He asserts that SRM is also an entirely reversible system that can be stopped with one mouse click, after which the effects will be gone at the next rain shower. <laughs> SRM would be a tactic that helps us buy whatever time we need to address issues like reducing carbon emissions. After the five-year research plan from the White House would be also researching the dangers after it, okay? <laughs> No, I didn't say after. I misread it. Let me stop here again. I'm just a little bit suspicious of these people. <laughs> also, the five-year research plan from the White House would also be researching the dangers and risks associated with solar engineering. <laughs> just like they've, you know, they never have researched the risks of the um, radiation hit we're getting from all this stuff. And I'm hoping to get back to that very soon because, um, like those mock monkey pox things and said, those are those are radiation burns okay they're zapping the heck out of us in our own homes but I, I, I really have to get back on track here so um, 
so that's good to hear. They're, they're researching the dangers, okay? Um, and then the Salter person, this guy's really a doozy, isn't he? Um, he said, um, I really like their cavalier, don't worry about it attitude, right? And he went on to say, besides, we might run an even greater risk if we do nothing at all. It's like the airbags in your car, said Andrew Dressler, the director of Texas Center for Climate. You never want to use them, but you'll be glad you had them when you do. Dessler believes that while we should do all we can now to limit global, te global temperature rise by aggressively reducing carbon emissions, it's better to have solar geoengineering systems ready just in case we might need it in the future. To do that, then, we need to start researching the approach now. Get on it, folks. <laughs> Come on, they've already been doing the research. Don't kid yourself. What do you think all those U.S. military bases are for? Do you think anybody that works on a U.S. military base is going to be exactly sneaking out <laughs> research? <laughs> They're doing the research. They just have learned how not to let us get access to that research. Okay, so. Okay. Now, this I'm getting into here is a story about um, what the UN people have. They just had this conference, and I'm sorry, I have it out of order, but let me get to this right here. Um, this is what the UN people say, because they just had a climate change where they're pushing this stuff, okay? And he said, you can imagine a scenario where it's 2040. Climate change is out of control. People suddenly realize, holy crap, this is awful, he said. You've got to do something immediately. In that case, SRM might be your least bad option. I love the way these people think, right? Evil all the way through. It's not the way you want to handle the problem, he added. The right way to handle the problem is to start cutting your emissions immediately so you don't get yourself in that situation. But I definitely see a pathway in the future where we do need to employ it. As the adage goes, drastic times call for drastic measures. What does it say then that the U.S. government has decided to put some skin in the game and fund research and resources into solar geoengineering? Well, let's hear what they have to say. Do they like the fact that the psychopathic nation of the United States is funding this now? And you do realize we, we fund our own death with our tax dollars, so I just want to add that in there. So, so let me see, tell you what Antonio Gutierrez said. At the recent UN Climate Summit, Secretary General Antonio Gutierrez announced that the world was on the highway to climate hell. Not only, ha I'm, I'm quoting him, not only have we failed to reach 1.5 degrees Celsius threshold outlined by the Paris climate agreement, but we're well on our way to blowing past the two degrees Celsius goal as well. It's always kind of funny. They set the goals, right? And then they blow past them. So that, and I'm continuing on, that means that we're increasingly finding ourselves with limited options. With our backs against a wall, an ocean rising to our feet, and the planet burning around us, we might have little choice but to use the airbag and pray that it saves us all. Well, they're pretty firmly thinking this is a good idea, right? Okay, so now let me get down here to this. Um, they just had a little conference, okay? And uh, 
I'm sure I have the right conference here. The conference is called the Convention on Climate Change, or COP27. I do notice that 27 means 9, right? <laughs> 27 equals 9. So I found a little piece that it was called Delivering for People and the Planet. And I have to keep saying this. The part that amazes me is these same people are also going to be getting hit with this stuff, right? I mean, they are really pretty aggressively killing themselves off with all those hormones and killing us off from the air. But they're also, this is a part that I just can't connect with. <laughs> they're breathing the same air, okay? There are people, the little social media people, they're killing their own people, and their own people are going against the rest of us while they're being killed by their boss. See, this is how nuts this whole thing is, okay? So, on November the 20th, the 27th Conference of the Parties to the United Nations Framework Conventions on Climate Change, COP27, that took place in the Egyptian coastal city of Sham al-Sheikh, concluded with a historical decision to establish and operation, and oper, operationalize a loss and damage fund. So they're coming up with some loss and damage fund. Welcoming the decision and calling the fund essential, U.S. Secretary General Antonio Gutierrez said that more needs to be done to drastically reduce emissions now. The world still needs a giant leap on climate emissions, says Antonio Gutierrez. The red line we must not cross in the, is the line that takes our planet over the 1.5 degree temperature limit, he stressed urging the world not to relent in the fight for climate justice and climate ambition. We can and we must win this battle for our lives, he concluded. From the 6th to the 20th of November, COP27 held high-level and side events, key negotiations and press excuse me, key negotiations and press conferences hosting more than 100 heads of state and governments, over 35,000 participants, and numerous pavilions showcasing climate action around the world and across different sectors. And this was a uh, where they made the announcement here. We're entering the final days of COP27, the UN's annual climate summit. And it's safe to say that this year's edition was dis disappointing, to say the least. It was widely panned by climate experts and activists and drew intense criticism for being sponsored by the likes of Coca-Cola, the world's leading plastic polluter. Well, I mean, it was sponsored by the U.S. military. I mean, they, they pollute more than anybody, so <laughs> let's call it a spade a spade. More so, like many climate summits in the past, Little action has actually taken place in terms of concrete climate action and policy. In fact, the argument could be made that the biggest decisions to fight, fight climate change weren't decided at COP27, but rather at the G20 summit between the U.S. and China. Imagine that. Similarly, the U.S. government also signaled last month that it's looking into one of the most controversial and consequential climate change fighting act tactics yet. On October the 13th, 
The White House announced that it was funding a five-year research program into one of the most controversial proposals for fighting climate change out there, geoengineering, or the technologies, let me see it, or the technologies, hmm, or the technologies, um, excuse me, it's like I lost her for a minute. Or the technologies and innovations that can be used to artificially modify the Earth's climate. Oh boy. I hear a fight breaking out. On October the 13th, the White House announced that it was... I just read that. Okay. I was... Um, the cat weighs six pounds, the dog weighs 60 pounds, and uh, Rocco uh, thinks they're going to get him. And sometimes the cats get things going by what they'll do is they'll swat them on the butt. <laughs> okay, I think that's passed, so let me continue on here. The report will be dedicated specifically in a form of geoengineering known as solar radiation management. That's what the SRM meant, <laughs> solar radiation management. Get that into your head, kids. <laughs> this is a technique that essentially evolves spraying fine aerosols into the atmosphere to reflect sunlight away from the earth. The idea is that once it's reflected, there'll be less heat and temperatures will go down. The research plan will be modeling how SRM, our new word that we now have it, um, SRM might impact the atmosphere and access its viability as a potential technique used to manage near-term climate risk. Put it another way, we want to know whether or not we should include this in our break glass in case of climate disaster box. While it sounds a bit bonkers, the world has actually seen inadvertent SRM before after large volcanic eruptions that throw massive amounts of gas and debris into the atmosphere and block out the sun. So if you recall, I opened this with, they always come up with some story, right? They repeat it through his story. They repeat it through the Bible. Well, where did they cook up this story from? Very, very interesting. Okay. In 19, excuse me, in 1816, it was the Tambora, T-A-M-B-O-R-A. So that's 1860 Tambora volcano eruption in Indonesia resulted in what became known as the year without a summer throughout Europe and North America after temperatures sank by as much as three degrees Celsius. Now, I will interject right here, okay? I am quite lost on this whole subject, okay? I got a D in a college um, geology class that I took, so you'll have to bear with me when I get into this more technical stuff, okay? And I, I, I took out the really crazy stuff so we can kind of understand it, right? I have to first bring this down to my level to understand my level about rocks and stuff isn't good so okay so for some context the 2015 Paris Climate Agreement and that was agreement that I think Trump pulled us out of and this and that but anyway included a goal to keep temperatures from rising by two degrees Celsius okay with a stretch goal of 1.5 degrees 
Celsius that we've completely gone over. So a controlled version of SRM is often thought of as a viable method to prevent the worst climate disaster. Even the UN recognizes the potential of this technology at COP27, much to the chagrin of many activists who are feverently against geoengineering. Geoengineering is a sign of industrial desperation, says this organizer. Regardless, it's a radical and potential life-saving research plan, and it's one that some of the oldest and ardent supporters believe is a cause for celebration. So, then I had to kind of figure out, because they say it was from a volcano, okay? And that's why, now, I'm not even, to tell you, to be full disclosure here, I'm not completely convinced that volcanoes weren't made by them, right? Um, so, I will explain to you what they say about volcanoes, right? And I'm having a hard time calculating this, because... My first goal is, I'm not going to assume that volcanoes are real, right? Because a lot of people assumed that we were lying to them about chemtrails and stuff, right? So let's not start making assumptions, because I'm not sure that they're real or not. But let me read what a volcano is, and then maybe you can help decide, um, do you think volcanoes are really weir- or real, or did they cook up something? I don't know. I don't, let, me, let, me, let me just read this about what volcanoes are, because I was like, <laughs> what is a volcano? <laughs> okay. On Earth, volcanoes, oh, excuse me, volcanoes allow hot lava, volcanic ash, and gases to escape from a magma, magma, M-A-G-M-A, chamber below the surface. On Earth, volcanoes are most often found where tectonic, T-E-C-T-O-N-I-C, plates are diverging or converging and most are found underwater. For example, a mid-ocean ridge, such as the Mid-Atlantic Ridge, has volcanoes caused by divergent tectonic plants, whereas the Pacific Ring of Fire has volcanoes caused by convergent tectonic plants. Volcanoes can also form where there is a stretch and thinning of the Earth's crust, such as in the East African Rift and the Wells Gray Clearwater Volcanic Field and Rio Grande Rift in North America. Volcanism, volcanism away from plate boundaries has been postulated to rise from upswelling... You see, I don't understand this stuff. They're saying... They have these plate boundaries, and see these plate boundaries, they're, they're by the water. I mean, we know they're doing, son- well, I know they're doing sonic things, and you, you could either agree with me or not, but they're obviously zapping us with this earthquake business, right? And that all seems to be coming from Tusamis. They're coming next to the water, right? So logically, something is being shot off in the water, right? Now, clearly, I am not a scientist, okay? <laughs> okay, um... Plate boundaries, um, they have populate, postulated to arise from upwelling diaphores from the core mantle boundary, and I know deep inside the earth, I don't know about that. This result in hotspot volcanism, of which the Hawaiian hotspot is an example, volcanoes are usually not created where two tectonic plates slide past one another. 
Large eruptions can affect atmospheric temperature as ash and droplets of sulfuric acid obscure the sun and cool the Earth's troposphere. Historically, large volcanic eruptions have been followed by volcanic winters that have caused catastrophic famines. Other planets besides Earth have volcanoes. For example, Mercury has proclastic deposits formed by explosive volcanic activity. The concentrations of different volcanic gases can vary considerably from one volcano to the next. Water vapor is typically the most abundant volcanic gas followed by carbon dioxide and sulfur dioxide. Other principal volcanic gases include hydrogen sulfide, hydrogen chloride, and hydrogen fluoride. A large number of minor and trace gases also form in volcanic emissions, for example, hydrogen, carbon monoxide, hydrocarbons, organic compounds, and volatile metal chlorides. Well, um, a lot to think about there. Um, volcanoes are those that scientists consider unlikely to erupt again because the volcano no longer has a magnum supply. So they say that when they don't have this magma supply, they don't erupt again. But examples of ex extinct volcanoes are mainly volcanoes on the Hawaiian chain of the Pacific Ocean. Um, there's volcanoes in Germany, Shiprock in New Mexico, um, and Interestingly enough, Edinburgh Castle in Scotland, remember that guy, that freak that was Salter guy, saying this stuff is so great? Well, Scotland, right? Edinburgh Castle in Scotland is located atop an extinct volcano which forms castle rock. Whether a volcano is truly extinct is often difficult to determine, since supervolcano cauldrons can have Eruptive lifespans, sometimes measured in millions of years. Okay, whatever. Um, and I'm going to skim over this because I'm getting a little bit dizzy here. Okay, volcano alert level. And I don't know. Um, they have all these different volcanoes. And it's really, it, it's, I'm kind of missing the point if I go too far in the weeds here, okay? Because I believe they got this idea from this volcano erupting and closing off the sun, right? So they're probably, and remember, right now I'm just opening this file. So I'm I'm exploring in my head what's going on. Um, you know, they 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 probably wrote this chapter of the book about the volcano covering the sun. Now there's now they're gonna do it with this stuff, cover the sun, and I'll act like oh it's all a surprise, right? Okay, now this is a part that I didn't really understand at all, and I don't know if I ever will understand it, but I'll read it to you. They say. They say, okay, they can bring, these are volcanoes, they can bring beneficial and provide valuable mineral deposits like gold, aluminum, and nickel, nutrient-rich fertile soils from volcanic ash, geothermal energy, most of Ireland's energy comes from geothermal sources, no, excuse me, Iceland, not Ireland, most of Iceland's 
energy comes from geothermal sources. Lava flows that create land. In 2018, a new island appeared off the coast of Hawaii as a result of lava from these other eruptions. They say volcanoes have caused global warming over millions of years during times in Earth's history where extreme amounts of volcanism occurred, releasing greenhouse gases into the atmosphere. So, I think this will all tie together from them pretty soon, right? Um, okay. They got this idea from a big one in um, Washington State here, okay? Something suspiciously happens around Washington State in this country because we've got Microsoft living there, we got Starbucks living there, the Spanish flu was ground zero in Washington State, um, this flu, the nursing home deaths were Washington State. The Pacific Northwest was home to one of the Earth's largest known volcanic eruptions, a millennium-long spewing of sulfuric gas that blocked out the sun and cooled the planet, according to Washington State University researchers. Only two other eruptions, the basalt floods of the Siberian traps and the Deccan traps, D-E-C-C-A-N traps, were larger and they led to two of the Earth's greatest extinctions. Okay, we got two places that led to the Earth being extinct, extinct, according to these people, and now we got this deal going on in Washington, right? So I'll continue on here. This would have been, and they're, they're, they're saying, these scientists are saying they uncovered this stuff, and this stuff happened, right? So let's keep all of that firmly into perspective, because a lot of assumed records, a lot of people's ideas and stuff. So what they said was, this would have been devastating regionally because of the acid rain effect from the eruptors, said John Wolf, a professor in the Department of School Environment. It did have a global effect on temperatures, but not drastic enough to start killing things, or it did not kill enough of them to affect the fossil record. The research which was funded by the National Science Foundation, appears in Geology, the top journal in the field. Okay. Starting 16.5 million years ago, they say, vents in southeast Washington and northeast Oregon put out a series of flows that reached nearly to Canada and all the way to the Pacific. So this series of flows means, it really means stuff spewing in the air, okay? The flows created the Wapsilla, W-A-P-S-H-I-L-L-A ridge member, and the Grande Ronde basalt. And so um, the researchers say it was the largest mapped flood basalt unit on Earth. Okay, um, the Pacific Northwest, a geographical region in western North America, and that would be Washington State, was home to one of the planet's most powerful known volcanic eruptions, according to the scientists there, okay? Right here in this little country. Um... The 
researchers estimate that over 10,000, tens of thousands of years, the floods put out between 242 and 305 billion tons of sulfur dioxide. This would have been devastating regionally because of the acid rain effect from the eruption, Professor Wolf says. It did have a global effect on temperatures, but not, I already read that part, not, not because they said it didn't kill everything because they found these fossils. Okay, that, that's the logic here. The Wapshila, W-A-P-S-H-I-L-L-A eruption blanketed the earth in an aerosol veil creating the year without a summer and food shortages across the nor northern hemisphere. Only two other eruptions, the basalt floods, floods of the Siberian traps and the Deccan traps were larger. So yeah, this and they say this led to the two greatest extinctions. I think I read that earlier, but anyway. Most of the lava's gases were released during the eruption, but some of the gases remained trapped in crystals near the volcano vents. Then they went on to say, we sampled melt inclusions and host glasses preserved in, anyway, anyway, they say they got a lot of stuff in there, right? Um, and I can't even, I can't even understand this to read this part, but look up that Wapsilla Ridge if you're smarter than I am and this will figure out because the research was published in the journal Geology. So go look for geology if you're really into all this scientific stuff, okay? Um, I pretty well think I double put that wolf freak in there. Okay, so now let's get down to the announcement. Okay, and this will give you the people that's cooking this up. The White House Office of Science and Technology Policy is coordinating a five-year research plan to study, to study ways of modifying the amount of sunlight that reaches the Earth in order to temporarily temper the effects of global warming. There are several, this is from their press release, there are several kinds of sunlight reflection technology being considered, including stratospheric aerosol injection, marine cloud brightening, and cirrus cloud thinning. Stratospheric aerosol injection involves spraying an aerosol like sulfur dioxide into the stratosphere, and because it has the potential to affect the entire globe, often gets the most attention. So yeah, the, the aerosol one is what's getting people bugged the most, right? Okay, so. While arguments of moral hazard have, been hand, have handicapped research efforts, the idea is getting more urgent in the worsening climate crisis. Okay, I gotta close off here, but I wanna give you another wonderful piece of news. Um, I meant to move it to the front of the page and I didn't, but anyway, so, um, I did a show about vaccines and, you know, the stuff they're, um, using to chemically alter our food and all of that. Well, they're always out to help us, aren't they? The recently announced decision sends an unfortunate message to the Colombian people that your administration is not committed to abandoning the ineffective and damaging war on drugs internationally. 
So what's going on? This was I found this article from recently. After a six-year halt, Columbia plans to restart the toxic aerial spraying of glyphosate, also known as Roundup, on coca crops as early as next month, drawing more welcome support, drawing the most welcome support from U.S. President Joe Biden, and sharp criticism from 150 regional experts who wrote to Biden. Your administration is implicitly endorsing former President Trump's damaging legacy in Colombia. Well, that's what they do. They carry on one legacy to the next, right? In March the 2nd, the Biden administration welcomed Colombia's decision to restart the aerial coca eradication. Hmm. You don't notice them spraying around, oh, I don't know, Afghanistan? They got to keep those drugs coming our way, right? I think the reason they got out of Afghanistan, and this is totally off off the top of my head, right? <laughs> you notice that they got out of Afghanistan where all of our opioids are coming from, right? All of our heroin and stuff like that. And um, what are they doing now? Well, they got fentanyl. I think what they decided was this. They were able to create fentanyl to kill us faster in a lab. And why go through all that whole process of growing plants and stuff when they can just come up with a pill? So I think they cooked up the opioid epidemic. I've done a few shows about opioids, so go look in the thing. But opioids, that Sackler family, they've done a few, um, you know, they got the opioids going. And um, so, yeah, they just put these things out there to act like they're trying to protect us, right? Well, those farmers are the ones who are getting hit, but i got to get back here. Um, the U UN Health Organization found that glyphosate, also known as Roundup, was harmful to the environment and health, potentially causing cancer. In 2014, ending, ending aerial fumigation was central to peace negotiations. The Colombian government was also facing significant pressure from the rural poor who were organizing national protests against aerial fumigation and other forms of... Yeah, we just haven't protested enough now, have we? People sit in their houses with their little devices smacked up against their faces, and they do all these things to test our reactions. And unfortunately, people act like people like me are insane, and these people are telling the truth, right? Well, then they had this thing out of Vice News. Let me read this, and I'll get out of here. Um, oh. Yeah, I had the red shoe stuff at the bottom here, so hang in here with me for a second here. Um, the experts point to how aerial spraying with glyphosate can cause serious health problems such as cancer, miscarriages, and respiratory illnesses, and environmental destruction, biodiversity loss, soil damage, and contamination of water sources. The aerial fumigation program using glyphosate in Columbia continued throughout the U.S. presidencies of Bill Clinton, George W. Bush, and Barack Obama. So, um, this I found a quote from Vice magazine. It said, um, this man, the American director of human rights said, Many peasants grow coca because it's their only profitable crop given weak local food markets, inadequate roads, and lack of formal land titles, he said. Sustainable progress in reducing coca production can only be achieved by ensuring that farmers have a profitable alternative, and there's no amount of glyphosate that can achieve that. Yes, well, like I always say, it is the plan, not the bug in the system, okay? Okay, let me finish up here. Also, remember, um, 
Dorothy from the Wizard of Oz was dancing around those red shoes, okay? And here's what you look for. John's brother is named Tony, T-O-N-Y. <clears throat> Telling a couple Italians, right? Okay, what you do is you look up Tony or John Podesta, or you can look for Tony Podesta's Red Shoe Club, and you'll see all of them standing around wearing red shoes, okay? And don't forget the most vulnerable. Don't forget the most vulnerable. They're coming for everybody. And let me play this clip. Let me find it first. Um, this clip, this all has to do, in whatever crazy way they're coming up with this story, it has to do with his sun business, okay? The sun. There's something about blocking us from the sun. Even if you ask a doctor about D3, which we all should be taking because of the sun, um, they act like, well, anyway, they act like it's crazy talk. But anyway, so I'm going to get out of here for now. But I want to play you this clip. Because I'm going to be getting to what all these different little things mean, okay? And which of them are different from the other ones. So this is very, very interesting about this sun business. So let me be quiet here and be safe out there. Thanks for joining me today and goodbye for now. Well, we come to the fourth month. You notice the name of the fourth month. Can anyone pronounce that for me? Tammuz. Tammuz. Right on the biblical Hebrew calendar, we have the month of Tammuz. That's what it is on the Jewish calendar. Does anyone know anything about Tammuz? We read about Tammuz in Ezekiel 8. It talks about the widows, or excuse me, the women weeping for Tammuz. Now, what is this women weeping for Tammuz? What do we have going on here? We have to just step back a little bit and find out who Tammuz's mother was. Because uh, his mother was married to Nimrod. Nimrod, the builder of the Tower of uh, Babel, uh, that's his fame, he died and he ascended up into heaven and became the sun, or the sun god. Now, many, many months later, after his death and then ascension, and he became the sun god, then his uh, widow, Semiramis, became pregnant, and the story was she became pregnant by the rays of the sun, her husband, who ascended into heaven. So it is that we have the month of Tammuz. Now, what happened is Semiramis died, but as luck would have it, she was reincarnated on the first Sunday after the vernal equinox as Easter, the goddess of fertility, who came down out of heaven in this giant egg, landing in the Euphrates River, busting out and turning a bird into an egg-laying rabbit. Then, Tammuz died, as luck would have it. I do use the word facetiously, because he died by being gored by a wild boar in his 40th year. And so, from then on, after his death, he was worshipped by setting aside one day of weeping for Tammuz for each year of his life. So, the 40 days preceding the day when his mother was reborn as Easter, the goddess of fertility, that set aside the 40 days of weeping for Tammuz. Now I think it's called Lent. And then, on Easter Sunday, then they kill the wild boar that killed Tammuz and eat ham on Easter Sunday. This is the sick sun god perversion that Israel got into, and God says it's an abomination. It's utterly re detestable, repugnant, and putrid. The word abomination, one of the strongest words in the entire Hebrew language. And, of course, we see that same thing has been adopted 
by the Christian Gentile church and they think it's in worship of the true God. It is not. It is utterly detestable to the true God. And he said, do not, do not learn the way of the heathen. Do not learn how they serve your gods. Do it and say you're doing it for me. It's an abomination. To those who would say, well, it doesn't mean that to me. Well, it really doesn't matter what it means to you. We don't worship you. We worship the true God. And if he says it's an abomination, then it's an what? Abomination. Just pure and simple. I don't know too many people who nowadays would believe that story, especially if your daughter tried to tell it to you. But this was the story, that she became pregnant with the rays of the sun. Now, she gave birth to Tammuz on December 25th. That is the birthday of the Babylonian sun god, December 25th. And I think it's important probably to point out, see, we went into captivity in Babylon. We were involved in the worship of, of, of Tammuz. We know his birthday was December 25th. We came out of Egypt. We know that the Egyptian sun god Ra was born on December 25th. Uh, the Romans hung us on the cross, which was the sign of the Roman sun god Mithra, who was born on December 25th. They sacrificed Jews to their sun god Mithra, born on December 25th. And Antiochus Epiphanes came into Jerusalem, slaughtered a pig on the altar in 168 BC, and set up a statue of Zeus the Greek sun god, on December 25th, his birthday. Now, there's one day I will guarantee you that Jesus of Nazareth was not born. It's December 25th. That's why if Western Gentile Christians attempt to try to witness the Jews and they have Jesus dressed up in a bunch of pagan sun god garments, then don't blame them if they don't believe it because you've got them dressed up looking like a pagan sun god. They're not supposed to be worshiping pagan sun gods, and don't dress Jesus up like that. He was born on Tishri 15, and if you can't celebrate his birthday on the right date, then don't celebrate any pagan sun god's birthday. I don't know what to tell you. I'd like to close with this song for you to be thinking about it. People are strange from the doors. When you're unwanted, streets are running When you're down, when you're strange, faces come out of the rain. When you're strange, no one remembers your name. When you're strange, when you're strange, when you're strange, people are strange. When you're a stranger, faces look ugly. When you're alone, women seem wicked. 
Keep your feet on the ground, kids. Keep your feet on the ground. <laughs>